0: The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I'm Annette Comer, your host. Each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman grew up with incredible parents, but she lost both of them by the age of 23. She could have lost her way from experiencing such a deep loss but her brother refused to let this happen. He set out to discover her IQ, and when he did, he told her there was no excuses to not excel and that she was designed for something special. As her life unfolded, she found what he said was true, but not in the way most think. Yes, she was strong in business, but her real foundation of success was not the business model she smartly executed. Instead, her success was rooted in the spiritual principles that led her daily existence, and it was from this place that she became a powerful force who inspired audiences around the world to achieve new levels of professionalism and personal growth. It is my pleasure to introduce you to one of the world's greatest women, Naomi Rohde. Hi, Naomi. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Oh, Annette, you are so amazing. You capsulize everything we talked about the other day just
0: beautifully. Well, we're going to, and I can't wait to pull all the gold out of you that I heard the other day during our pre-interview. So, and I'm just so honored to have you with me today. So let's get started. Okay. Okay, You and your husband built an incredibly successful company and have been married for 63 years, but many women find it difficult to work side by side with a powerful man. So what has been your secret?
1: Well, Jim Brody, was entrepreneur of the year for the state of Arizona one year. So, yes, you're right. Powerful man. Uh, I found that the most exciting path for my success was to work with them. That's not normal for a lot of women because there is jealousy. There's competition. There has never been that for us. When I do a keynote in front of a couple thousand people, Jim's in the back writing notes about how we could make it better, how we could make it better. I never see that as a a negative. I always see that as a positive. Uh, And building the company that we built together was a combination of our uh, abilities together. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. And something I look back on with uh, great privilege and great honor. I also have a telephone ring in the background, which is not very cool, I know, (laughs) so forgive me. I thought Jim would grab my phone for me. It's probably the president. I
0: don't know. Oh, it could be, it could be, yes, but we're going to put him on hold if it is, right?
1: (laughs) Put him on hold, that answers your question. But I think that our tendency is to compete instead of complete.
0: Yeah, and that's very well said. And I think that that we get a power couple together. Yeah. I'm
1: a completer, not a computer. And that's the way I have found success in everything I've done. For example, when I was president of the National Speakers Association, 4,000 members at the time, lots of huge meetings. My meeting planner, the person I would choose to be in charge of the meetings, was going to be the key to our budget, period because meetings fed our budget. So Jim said, so who are you gonna choose? So we had a line, uh, men on one side, women on one side, which did I want? Did I want a man or a woman? And basically I worked through till I got to the point where he said, do you want someone stronger than you to be to your meetings chair or weaker? And I said, if I have to choose, I want them stronger because I can work with strong people and that's something that I think is a gift. And it's a gift that I've
0: enjoyed. Well, you certainly have had a long, successful relationship and it's still going strong. So still going strong. I'll tell you what, this moment has been such
1: fun for us. What? It hasn't been fun for every married couple, but we've spent a lot of time together and I've said to people who are not married, be really careful because you could marry somebody that you end up with for six or seven months that you really don't like that well, that much. So be careful who you marry. I <laughs> married the right guy, and we had a great time.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can say the same thing about my marriage as well, and it is, it is a beautiful thing when you find it. So you have always had an attitude of being privileged to serve others through your speaking and the products your company has provided. And you expressed this that you felt this way of thinking was one of your keys to success. So, my question to you is why has this worked so well for you? And what kind of attitude must a person be careful of if they want to be wildly successful?
1: I think it's the way you view what you are doing for a living. If you have a job, you got a job, and it's hard work. If you have a privilege, an honor, that's a whole different thing. It's a calling instead of a job. I've never gone to work. I've gone to a calling. And that may sound a little ethereal, but it's not for me. It's not for me, because I believe that my presence on that platform, whatever that platform is, whether it's a speaking platform, a coaching platform, a marriage platform, raising children platform. I believe that's a privilege and I want to do it to my best. Now, where does that start? Thanks for asking that question. (laughs) I think it starts in your home. And even though I lost my dad at age 13 and my mother at age 23, I was really someone special to them. And they said every day, my mother would say to me, if I were your age, I'd be your best friend. what a nice thing to say. (laughs) She meant it. My dad would say, you are amazing. I have to tell you a funny little incident. I'm old enough so that during World War II, I was in first grade, and the teacher was practicing blackouts in Fargo, North Dakota, you know, shades down and everybody under your desk. That's what we were practicing. And I went up to her and I said, can I just say something? We really don't need to do this. My dad will take care of it.
0: (laughs) And you believed it 100%.
1: A great way to be raised. But I fear that a lot are not raised that way. So attitude for me has come extremely naturally. I say things to myself when I wake up in the morning. I say things to myself when I go to bed at night. I have a strong spiritual faith. So I talk to God in the morning, say, thank you for this great day. Help me to meet people today that I might have some influence
0: with. That would be such a privilege. And I mean that. And when you start that way, it happens. You set the intention, don't you? That's right. So so the, so the, the attitude that, that people ought to be careful of if they want to be wildly successful, in your eyes, is what?
1: I think it's an attitude not of positivity that's not realistic, not an unrealistic, I'm a positive person, but a reality that says there is good and there is evil. And I will seek the good in people, even when they don't know it's there. I'll help them find it. I'll help When I speak, I say to myself, I'm not there for me. If I'm there for myself, I'm totally wasting my time. I'm there for the audience. I um, love to come early to an audience. I was speaking at a leadership conference in Michigan and I came in early and there was one guy about 48 years old sitting over on the left-hand side, I can picture him. And I went over and introduced myself and I said, uh, it's a really wonderful day for me, how about for you? And he said, it's the worst day of my life. I said, really, do you wanna share about that? And he pulled out his billfold, showed me a picture of his wife, And said, on our 25th anniversary last summer at the Grand Canyon, she told me she was leaving me. And today my divorce is final. I won't be living with my kids anymore. That just spewed out because I said, I'm having a wonderful day. Are you? Well, I don't know what you would have done. But it wasn't COVID time. So I put my arms gently around him, not intrusively. And I actually whispered a prayer in his ear. I whispered a prayer in his ear, and after the meeting, he came up to me and he said, woo, it's all different, Naomi. It's all different. I can see the sun. It's shining. This is going to be okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the kind of thing I love doing, making a difference with that audience, not being there for myself, because when we give away, we are richer than we, when we receive.
0: And give away what you would love to have. That's right. Absolutely. I've, and you've heard that wisdom before, and it's, it's so true. You know that because you live that way. I it? do live that way. Yes, I do. do. Now I've got a, Now we're in this space about how you interacted with this man. You've left perfectly into my next question, and you didn't okay. even plan this. So, so you were on a stage for many years talking to thousands of people, delivering what you call deep content wrapped in heart. Yes, did these people see the authentic you, or were they seeing a stage you?
1: Well, okay, that's a that's a profound question because it it has two parts. If you're not bringing an authentic self, your audience sees through you immediately. So, yes, you must bring your authentic self, and you do that by looking at Jane and Joe and Fred, even if there are hundreds of people in the room, you look back there and you get your microphone and you go out into that audience and you make eye contact. So you do your authenticity on a one-to-one, even if it's a huge crowd. That being said, the larger the crowd, the more dramatic you must be to hold the crowd. In other words, if I'm having coffee with you, I'm not talking like this. <laughs> You'd say, but if I'm speaking before a huge group, I'm going to use more body language. I'm going to use more emphasis. So is that authentic? Of course it is. Because what it's really doing is saying, how can I be more expressive with a larger group so that I have more impact Impact with that larger group? It's still authenticity. It has to be rooted in authenticity, always.
0: And I'm going to speak to that for a second before we move to the next question, because I think there is a nugget of gold that everyone listening and watching needs to hear in what you said, and that is if you are a leader in corporate or leading a company or wherever you're showing up as a power figure, don't be afraid to let that authentic side show because in that authenticity is your real power. And so many women are so afraid to do that. I was a woman that was afraid to do that. And, and decades ago, and even not maybe not even decades ago, in my 40s and 50s, probably wasn't until I got in my 50s that I started to figure that out. Uh, hopefully other women will figure it out much earlier than I did.
1: Well, when you have a major life-altering experience, that helps you with authenticity. And I had a major life-changing experience stroke that paralyzed me when I was on the way to three speaking engagements and I was in the hospital in Michigan for a month and a year in therapy and um, that causes you to be very real and it is not unlike me to tell that story as I'm telling it to you not for empathy but to say oh you have no idea what it did for me and and I hope you never have to go through that life-changing experience for it to do that for you. And what it did for me was to erase the little things.
0: We, particularly as women, often get wound up about things that don't matter in the end. And we waste a lot of precious energy this way. So when you had that stroke years ago, it obviously became crystal clear to you what was important. So I want you to go back to that point in time and share the number one thing you learned during this challenging time and how it shaped your life going forward.
1: Well, the number one thing was that, as I mentioned just quickly at the end of our last question, uh, to get rid of the little things. It's the big things in life. when you're born, big thing. (laughs) When you die, big thing. In between, there's a lot of little things. I hate to admit this, but I would admit it in front of an audience. I used to get upset when when Jim came home late for dinner. I do not get upset when Jim comes home late for dinner anymore. You know why? Jim is coming home for dinner. Jim's coming home for dinner. So you get rid of the little things. One of the things that was very humbling, there was a woman that was about 400 pounds in the room next to me. And she'd been thrown through from the back seat of a car through the front window of a car. Mm. And she was a quadriplegic. And uh, she was wheeled into therapy at the same time I was every morning. And so she would look at me and she would say, oh, Naomi, you look like you're getting better. I feel kind of responsible for that because in the night when I can't sleep, I pray for you. She had a big thing. I had a little thing. Right. I had a little thing. Her husband left her during that time. I have mine. Her husband left her. That was a big thing. He left her with a seven-year-old, and she was a quadriplegic. I have my husband. So I think when you go through those kinds of things, whether it's a loss of a loved one or a serious illness, all of a sudden you say, wow, this runway this runway that we're given isn't forever. And every day on this runway is really important. And the people I meet here, I want to influence for their benefit, not just mine. So it was one of the most profound things that I learned. And then tremendous gratitude that I didn't stay paralyzed. I was in a wheelchair kind of flipping over to the left and it was during an election year and we happened to be conservative. So I kept saying, could you help me? Lean to the right. <laughs> and they said, no, we can't help you lean to the right. <laughs> but all I, could, all I could think of was, I don't want Jim Rody to be pushing me around falling out of this wheelchair. I am going to work at this. And for one year, I work. And your body wants to respond when you work that hard. So anyone that has that kind of physical a disability, I would ask you to be determined to work with your body and to make it work for you for your benefit
0: and for the benefit of others. And that, that committing to something like your body or your mission is so important, isn't it? If you want to get the outcome that you're looking for. i want to go into the leadership space for a second. So what women say to themselves is so important, especially for leaders. So my question to you, Naomi, is what has your self-talk looked like through the years? And more importantly, how did you protect it from outside influences?
1: Well, I um, have studied leadership rather extensively, and I continue to do so. I love studying great people who are leaders and the way they intercept negativity. I think one of the most important things for a leader is to intercept negativity with positivity. I think another amazingly important thing is delegation and delegating what you don't do best and praising the person that's doing it for what they're doing. I think people need to know that they're important and a good leader knows how to make their team members feel important and to celebrate their uh, victories. Uh, And I think also to keep yourself as a leader above the fray of what everybody else is doing and thinking, thinking Reading ferociously, developing deep habits of study, and not only reading, but listening to what you've read. I think we talked about one of my favorite books, is Second Mountain. And I don't just read Second Mountain because it's very extensive and difficult if you're just going to read it. I want to think about it. I want to think about where I am in life. And am I just on the mountain that's providing for myself? or have I graduated to that mountain where it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? So I think the leader is constantly growing themselves. I think often leaders say, okay, I'm there, I'm done. And I think that's wrong. Uh, Jim and I had a triangle. I think we talked about that for our business that we built and we built a, a considerably large business or medium business medium size, hundreds and hundreds of employees. And we had a triangle of speaking and seminars and product. And the people that heard us speak said, oh, I'm going to come to a seminar and get to know you better. So we uh, had 88 trips to Hawaii, for example. And I got a call just yesterday from one of those alumni. And this is typical. He said, I think about you and Jim almost every day of my life. And I had not talked to him for literally decades. And he said, I can't get you out of my mind because you gave me so much. You changed my life so much. That's the reward. The reward doesn't have to be financial. What is money? It's fun to have. It's fun to spend. But it's nothing in comparison to that kind of affirmation
0: that you've been a change agent in somebody else's life. So as a leader... Naomi, what was your self-talk? What has been your self-talk through the years? Have you, have you built yourself up? Have you have a particular affirmation that you say all the time? What has it been?
1: Well, okay, this is, the, this is the affirmation that I've said every morning I've spoken. And we were on an airplane almost every weekend for 42 years. That's a lot of speaking. I'd always get up, go to the window, remember where I am. <laughs> which is real important because you got in late the night before. And uh, this is what I would say every morning. This is the beginning of a brand new day. Wow! God's given me this day to do with as I please. I can waste the whole day or I can choose to use it for good. But when this day is over, I want it to be good and not evil, success and not failure, gain and not loss, so that I will never regret the price I'm paying
0: for this day. Go for it. And that is a beautiful mantra to say to yourself each day, because, it again, it sets the stage of how the day unfolds, for sure. It it really does. It really does. All right, I have one last question for you. You have had a successful career balanced with family and spiritual connection, but many women struggle with this. What would you tell other mothers to be careful of?
1: Well, I am uh, a person who believes that when possible, and I say that carefully and without judgment, when possible, if you can raise your children at least to school age, I would really love you to do that. My girls were able to do that and they're both professional women. Uh, it's just so important to make that groundwork of values good and strong. Now, for those who can't do that for it, Many reasons. A lot of single people, single moms, whatever, a lot of reasons. I don't think being critical of yourself and judging yourself does any good. I believe that if you spend the time that you do have with them, really quality time, tucking those kids in and just loving them to death, I think that's going to cover. I really believe that. But raising children, the women's movement has done a lot of good. But it's done one thing that has been hard. And I'm going to tell this just really quickly, because I know we're going to run out of time. I spoke to a leadership conference in Russia. And in Russia, I had all these big women who were the leaders of the world in this room. And I started to talk about leadership. And one of them said, nyet, nyet, nyet. I want you to talk about the feminist movement in your country. Change the subject. So I said, well, it's certainly done a lot of good for a lot of women. Uh, We want equal pay. Uh, We want to be educated. We want to be recognized. We want to be able to be president of corporations or associations when we are capable and we've earned the right. On the other hand, we also are mothers, and we have a strong desire to raise children who will lead the next generation. And I got a standing ovation, and they said we had a whole generation where our children were taken away from us so that we could be women leaders and we
0: lost the chance to raise a child. That was pretty moving for me. I guarantee it was. I guarantee it was. Naomi, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Well, of course.
1: Of course, there are the losses. There are the losses of family members along the way. There's the loss of respect from different people that you thought would have continuing respect for you. There's the loss of confidence in some from some of your people, perhaps. Uh, there are lots of losses. And I think the way we handle loss is as important as how we handle success. And I am not, I haven't gotten my master's degree yet in loss. But I tell you, my brother had his master's. He lost four of his five children. And uh, when I had one of my children uh, diagnosed with a serious cancer and I asked him how he did it, he said, okay, just plant your feet in your faith in God. Hang on and stay on the team. Stay on the team. So loss and the way we handle loss is as important if we absolutely abdicate after loss and go into the shadows We are not giving our audience, whatever our audience is, we're not giving them the benefit of the authenticity of the reality of life because life is filled with loss. Right now, we have 50% of our country is one way or the other. And I am certainly not gonna go into politics right now. All I'm gonna say is there's a loss for one side or the other right now. And what does that mean for the rest of us? It means that we're supposed to pull together and say, let's do this together. Let's do this together. So loss is meant to pull us together, not to
0: separate us. It's very important. It is. It is. And it's such wisdom. Naomi, you have been wonderful today. Thank you for taking time to join me and share your incredible wisdom and the incredible life journey that you've had. I look forward to seeing many more years of greatness out of you. (laughs) And, And Naomi is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on The World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds.